Hey there, welcome back, America. Sup? Shaking, baking. Anyway, we are going to listen to what's up on Mother's Touch. New DeSantis scheme blows up in his face. Kids. 38, 13 minutes ago. Watch this before it's too late. The nationwide yeah, credit card website this makes it possible for today. all U.S. homeowners to easily get an... It's got Harbaugh with Cass Carmichael. The more we learn about Governor Ron DeSantis' state guard, the more alarmist it all seems. Now, when this was first launched, there was quite a bit of concern. I didn't pile on back then because conceptually there's nothing wrong with a volunteer organization that a governor can deploy to We're now learning that this state guard is off the rails. Take a look at this local report from Jacksonville for us. United States, the relaunch of the Florida State Guard under Governor Ron DeSantis is drawing criticism from some volunteers who say the training is more militaristic than they were led to believe. We are learning new details about the training that took place at Camp Landing. One veteran even called the Clay County Sheriff's Office claiming that he was treated roughly for raising questions about volunteers' training for the State Guard. News for Jackson Porter Ann Maxwell went through the police reports, and she's joining us right now, Ann. Yeah, good evening, Ken Joy. We got a hold of the incident report just today, and it's pretty shocking. That former volunteer claims he was a victim of battery and false imprisonment by trainers on base just a few weeks ago. I also spoke to another former volunteer in the state guard who said he knows of several very qualified people who resigned from the guard because they felt like they were misled about its mission. Last year, Governor Ron DeSantis announced the reestablishment of the Florida State Guard for the first time since World War II. The Guard's website describes it as a state-supported volunteer force providing humanitarian assistance and rapid response during man-made and natural disasters. The state legislature approved more than $100 million in funding for the Guard in May. 91 years, 28. So the bill passes. But since then, the Tampa Bay Times reports there's been confusion about the Guard's mission, with some recruits thinking they would be serving in a non-military capacity, helping Floridians during disasters. But according to the governor's office, that also includes protecting Florida's people and borders from, quote, illegal aliens and civil unrest. In a statement, a spokesperson for the governor's office said, the Florida State Guard, a military organization, expects its members to receive rigorous military training in order to protect its citizens? Shocking. In June, one State Guard volunteer, a disabled veteran, asked the lieutenant colonel questions about their training. And according to a police report, the response was, so you're the leader of the group apparently referencing volunteers who were criticizing the new organization. That volunteer said later sergeants ordered him to do push-ups, but he refused, telling them he's 100% disabled and hurting from a physical fitness test the day before. He claimed he was told to go home, and he said he would. But then a white van pulled up, and he was ordered to get in. When he refused, he told investigators he was grabbed and pushed inside. According to the incident report, he protested they were assaulting an officer, but he was told he's just a recruit. He was escorted off base and called the Clay County Sheriff's Office, but investigators there determined that he was subject to the same discipline as the military, such as doing push-ups, and that sergeants had the authority to remove him from the base, even involuntarily, if he refused. Therefore, they determined he wasn't a victim of battery and false imprisonment, as he had claimed.
Wisconsin for the governor also sent us a statement saying, quote, I'm glad we have over 120 new guardsmen prepared to respond to riots, illegal immigration, and natural disasters. We also reached out to the state guard for comment, but we haven't yet heard back. Reporting live tonight, I'm Ann Maxwell, Channel 4, the Liberal Station. I hope you're starting to report. This volunteer state guard has a $100 million budget and four helicopters. It reports directly to the government. And veterans who experienced the training, including a former Marine Corps captain, said it was inappropriately militaristic. Miles Taylor said something to me in a recent current post interview that stuck with me, and it really applies here. People are calling. You can have the most well-intentioned policy conceivable on paper, but if it's implemented by people with bad motives, the policy itself is because it's the people driving it who are revolting. That seems to be what we're seeing play out in Florida. You have a governor with authoritarian tendencies who obsesses about controlling those around him, building what amounts to a personal militia. What kind of people do you think are drawn to leadership roles in that organization? What kind of administrators? What kind of trainers? I'm not trying to implicate every last one of them. But when you have a culture of cruelty, it affects everything and everyone. And cruelty is what authoritarian regimes are built on. They literally cannot exist without scapegoating and targeting the most vulnerable members of our society. I hope you paid attention to the response given to this local news organization by the governor's spokesperson. The state's priorities for the Guard are riots, illegal immigration, and natural disasters in that order. This is Florida we're talking about, where the governor's biggest immigration challenge lately was how to misuse state funds to fly plane loads of desperate asylum seekers from Texas to Massachusetts. I lived in Florida as a Navy pilot during hurricane season. The State Guard's list of priorities should be in roughly this order. Disasters, disasters, and disasters. If you want to understand the morality of any system, look at its priorities. What Ron DeSantis is doing is wrong, and there's no better evidence of that than our government's priorities. Thousands of Floridians have lost their homes in recent years due to hurricanes. That number is not going to get better with the Atlantic heating up due to climate change. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis is spending millions on a personal militia that is targeting immigrants as a top priority. I recently interviewed Ann Nelson for Burn the Dirt, who got me thinking about all of this. He has written several books documenting the rise of the anti-Nazi resistance in Germany. I want to end by sharing a brief clip of that conversation. I'm not trying to be alarmist, but Ann is someone we should all be listening to. You can check out the full interview next week. What is the biggest right that you're fighting for today? The right to live. How do you not have the right to live right now? Because. Because people out there exist that want us gone and they're in You're here right now and you're not being attacked, you're not being targeted. You do have the right to exist. You are existing. When you do stop way there, you can't help but show up. It's impossible to keep the deal to yourself. We say so much of Wayfair, we've got the bottom. Wayfair, show off your big deal. Wayfair, you can 
So if the extreme right and these organizations are not triumphant in as they move into the 2024 election, it may mean that we're moving into a situation of greater violence. And it is, unfortunately, a fact these organizations and, and movements have a lot more guns than their adversaries. Yeah, he's 
his message here, Trump's message here is that the insurrection was a false flag operation that could also happen again if he's held accountable for breaking the law. Uh, you guys think we'll hear that uh, defense from his lawyers in court? Yeah, and, and it's just, I think it's worth noting that this conspiracy theory that, uh, that January 6th is a false flag operation, that this sort of a FBI plant led everyone to charge the Capitol, has been around for a while. And a guy named Ray Epps, who's a former member of the Oath Keepers Militia, uh, had to sell his house and move because he was getting threats from other crazy right-wing people who suggested he was in sort of FBI plant. He is absolutely not. There's no evidence to... to any of this, but Trump is Steve Bannon and all these guys have left off with a push this false flag there, but it's very scary. Yeah, two thoughts. One, you, 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 can not call this, you can't call this a strategy of any kind, but if it is, it is not a legal one. It is just a thrashing PR campaign uh, to, to, to make, uh, to sort of excite the base and keep Republicans in the fold. But what's striking about it to me is, you know, one of the noticed over the years about all these different attorneys who've been involved in some great Trump investigation is they become so um, radicalized in favor of prosecution. Like you see it out of the people that came out of Mueller, you see it out of all these different investigations. And I just think, you know, you're, you're working on this case, there's been death threats against prosecutors, you're working day and night looking at this reason and ridiculous illegal activity by the former president of the United States. Is it all worth it? Should I fight again tomorrow? I mean, you turn on the television, and he's doing nothing. He's doing it even more. Get out to the subway and call it a day. Yeah. You gotta get a tuna foot long. Look, I just don't think it necessarily helps his case <laughs> to argue <laughs> that the violent attack was a secret FBI operation, but also threatened that his supporters may do it again if he's convicted. It was an FBI plan, but also they might do it again. And this whole thing, it's like we have so many different, this is where he's going to have some, uh, some issues uh, when this segment comes down. He had so many different explanations for January 6th. Like, let's, on June 22nd of, of this last year, he said January 6th was not a simple protest. It was not a simple protest. It represented the greatest movement in the history of our country to make America great again. I've forgotten that he said that.
What do you guys make of the May 2024 trial date for the uh, classified documents that they've had? So here's why I think Trump was, was treating so angrily. I think he just figured out what his next year is like. Look, and it is a rough calendar. It's October October 2nd, New York civil fraud trial. January 15th, 2nd, E. Jean Carroll civil defamation trial. Also the day of the Iowa caucuses. Also the day of the caucuses. <laughs> <laughs> March 25th, Manhattan, Manhattan hunch money trial. May 20th, the classified documents trial out of uh, uh, Florida. Thank you. 
they're not officially nominated until I think July 18th, which is the final day of the public convention. It won't happen. We are not that lucky. This is just not forget about the just to see the fight. How fun would the fight would be a great fight? Yeah, but, 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 like, I think what I'm taking away from seeing all these different trials unfolding is uh, I don't know how lucky we have to be. <laughs> That's the first the other well, part of it too is once you add you add the Jack Smith case, you add the Georgia case. And even if the trial one of them flips, we're still staring at a spring, summer, and fall where potentially the dominant issue in front of voters is the most unsavory and unpopular position Trump has ever taken, which is I don't really support democracy. It'll become central to the campaign. You know, those images side by side, press Trump on trial for insurrection and Biden campaigning, I don't know, on a road, you know, with a with a road and a shovel. That's pretty good. Some candidates do like Medicare Advantage plan rollouts and foreign policy speeches. Donnie's doing indictments and football. So there's a message of that. You think there'll be a step in repeat behind him outside the courtroom? Well, which court? Congress should yeah. censure him. 
Then he went crawling back down to Mar-a-Lago to kiss the ring when he realized he needed Trump to get the vote to be speaker. So now here we are in a 2015 soft conundrum where none of Trump's opponents will actually attack him for leading an insurrection because they all are trying to like win some sliver of his voters by taking the blue shots or running to the right of him on policy. And it's failing miserably. How about, how about hopeful, optimistic candidate Tim Scott uh, setting the bar at, well, he didn't come try to kill me personally at the Capitol, oh, so no, I, don't, now, I now, do not hold him responsible. Now, Anyone now, who doesn't try to murder me there, it's okay. I would like to say, uh, in defense of yeah, no, better Tim Scott, yeah, hey, Tim, Tim Scott's been zone over here. Yeah, the, uh, big time. Because, uh, but there's two belts because uh, we're in a rocket ship. But the, uh, <laughs> but, uh, check out the dial for We'll get to it, but, but, uh, feel the deep one. That's what I would. 
fighting. No one's going to want to give you that answer, but it does. No one's softening the ground. It's, it's, like, right. it's rock solid. It's another cloaker action issue, too, because, like, all these Republican politicians inside would probably say, look at the base things, look at these poll numbers, right? But the, where do you think Republican voters take their cues from? They take their cues from the leaders of the party and from the people that the idiots that they see on TV who are also lying about this shit. So if that's all they ever hear, of course so well, these polls are going to They can also look at Chris Christie, who has been out there trying to make uh, the argument. And what's, what's happened, Trump's numbers haven't moved, his numbers haven't moved. The only thing that's happened is more and more Republicans, when asked the question, uh, say that he's an unpalatable candidate, the only person they can vote for. Yeah. But he's probably in the polls a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, I mean, he's, uh, he's, 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 he's not. Right. Yeah. He's only a couple of points behind well, so as Tommy pointed out, whatever the other candidates are doing, it doesn't seem to be working. We heard the Iowa poll from Fox. Um, there is also a South Carolina poll that they released. That's Trump 48, Haley 14, DeSantis 13, Scott 10, Mike Pence 4. Notice I didn't make, mention Mike Pence in the Iowa poll because he was under Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy 6 and 5. Um, so these results from these two polls officially qualify Trump, DeSantis, Haley, Ramaswamy, Scott, and Chris Christie for the first debate a month from now. Um, Mike Pence and Doug Burgum insist they'll qualify, but they haven't yet. Pence hasn't yet because he doesn't have the donors yet, so he does have the polls. And Burgum has donors, but he doesn't yet have the polls. Um, Where do you need the donors in the polls? Why do you just need the polls? I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I guess because polls are like, it's hard to trust polls and like, like donors are like real actual people. Yeah. Like, I guess, you know, maybe it's that.
issues, which again makes you wonder, hey, Ron DeSantis, why are you running to the right of Trump on all these random issues instead of going after his flexibility? Well, there's a lot of things that uh, the only sin that has turned Republicans against Trump over the years has been the sin of him not being electable, the sin of him losing. And the fact that they're not saying that these indictments are, are, are a sign that he can't win, and no one's making that argument. Even DeSantis, after his reason to get to it, they're not even making that argument. They are advancing Trump's message, right? By saying that, like, e- even though they're they're trying to say, well, it's let's unfocus on the weaponization of the Justice Department, the two tier system, well, that's Trump's message. That's Trump's central message about his indictment. Um, uh, here's where you're going to get excited, Levis. Tim Scott, most opportunity to grow in Iowa. Only 12% say they'd never back him, which is the lowest of the major candidates. 90% are open to him. Uh, and he is drawn from a wide range of demographics. So he's drawn from moderates and from very conservative. Everybody loves Tim Scott. Everybody's up for like the uh, 80, 90% who's back. They don't dislike Tim Scott because that's two great options. People say Scott. Yeah, people say Tim Scott. I think a quarter of them said they didn't know enough about him. Think about the privilege of being an Iowa Republican where you can choose between people as great as Trump and Scott, right? With DeSantis as your third choice, how cool is that? How cool is that? Like there's like a Chili's, a Cheesecake Factory, and an Olive Garden right there, right there at the side of the road. We were talking about this earlier before we start recording, but it is interesting to me that in South Carolina, what's the third, but it's not because Scott's in second, it's because Haley's in second. And I, my guess is that just that she was a very popular governor there, and people know their governors a little bit more than they better than they know their senators. But that's my only thing. So the launcher campaign versus a former president. So Trump aide said to the Washington Post over the weekend, it's unlikely he's going to change his mind about skipping the first debate, uh, despite pleas from his favorite Fox hosts. And not just privately, they're doing it on the air, apparently. I know, in addition to those polling questions Tommy mentioned. Um, what do you guys think are the political dynamics of a, a debate without Trump? So it seems like we are careening towards. Don't you imagine that he'll just hold his own big events and counter-program it and try to steal all of the thunder? I think, they, they, I think they threatened that. They said, like, maybe he might sit down with Tucker for Tucker's show to counter-program. Oh, no, it's not a chance. It's a show on Hack Hack. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, oh, no. the, the point Trump made is, why would I do the debate? I'll just increase the rating. Yeah. And, and then Fox is playing into that argument by being like, please come do the debate. We need the ratings. And then <laughs> he's smart enough to know that he'll just watch a bunch of
to do a version in front of the debate audience of the argument for basically, you know, uh, get things done, Trump without the chaos. He has to kind of make that case, and that's the, that's yeah. the question is how hard he does it. I think he's going with like the Ronald Reagan 11th Amendment, thou shalt not attack other Republican bullshit that they're like coming together for years and being goodbye. Yeah. I could see some Scott Chuck Burgum doing that too. There's a lot of fighting up here, but I think we're fighting too much and we need to look forward. I can't see Burnham doing much thinking. I, honestly, if, you, if he was right here, I wouldn't. He is here. He's sitting here. Right he's here. <laughs> <laughs> sitting quietly. Maybe because he's stroking up our gift cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should actually, honestly, we should bankrupt that Burgum. We should all just take the $20 and donate the dollar. Why are we doing that? I mean, right, yeah, I know. Uh, so, the state is flipping to third place for the first time in that South Carolina poll. It's just one of the many shitty headlines for his campaign lately. Uh, lots of stories about shakeups and reboots over the weekend that have all the campaign classics. We got a donor telling Politico it's time to let Ron be Ron. We got a new media strategy that they're calling DeSantis is everywhere. We <laughs> got the campaign we need to clean up. The campaign blowing through cash on private planes and fancy hotels. We got infighting between the campaign and the super PAC. Meanwhile campaign briefly retweeted another bizarre video over the weekend that ends with a neo-Nazi symbol superimposed on a Florida flag. Uh, and the candidate spent the weekend threatening to sue Bud Light uh, for sending a beer to a trans person, and he tried to explain a line in his state's new education curriculum that reads this, quote, instruction includes how slaves develop skills which, in some instances, could be applied for their personal benefit. Here's DeSantis' response to that curriculum, followed by a fiery denunciation from uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. So the most robust standards in African-American history, probably anywhere in the country, I think that they're probably going to show uh, some of the folks that eventually parlayed, uh, you know, being a blacksmith into, into doing things later, later in life. How is it that anyone could suggest that in the midst that there was any benefit to being subjected to this level of dehumanization. So it seems like the DeSantis reboot is off the strong start, huh? Uh, <laughs> of all of these DeSantis uh, imploding stories and details, of which there were many to comb through, um, which do you guys think are most politically consequential and which are just fun to talk? I mean, I, I do think we, like, this comment he made about slavery is one of the dumbest most offensive, like straight out of the lost cause revisionist history narrative things that I've ever heard of the politician do. And obviously it was his board of education, so they did it because of his stupid stop woke act. And it's just worth saying that even the examples that the Florida Department of Education held up as uh, uh, individuals who benefited from slavery, many of them were never enslaved. One of them was a poet and a writer. Uh, not a lot of slaves were taught how to read and write during slavery. So it's just like it's outrageous on its face. It's frankly why critical race theory gets taught in the first place. So I do think it's just worth putting a stamp on what Kamala Harris said there and like explaining how outrageous it is. I also want to say about that too. There's a lot of uh, pro DeSantis pundits on uh, on X uh, arguing about how this was out of context and looking like look at the whole curriculum. Look, at and it's like yes, the entire curriculum does explicitly call for kids to learn about the many horrors of slavery, but still. Why do you include that line? Why does anyone need to be taught that, oh, there were some skills that were useful later on? Why else would you teach that if, if, it not, if it's not for, for like, the 
in New Hampshire, I believe. No, we're not putting any ads on the air up in New Hampshire. And then it came out that the campaign manager freelanced and did that without telling the rest of the staff. Like, everything is listening. Well, not only did they not listen to the campaign memo, the Super PAC did not get the memo, did not get the hint from the memo that said, we will not seek New Hampshire, which was a hint to them to go up on New Hampshire. They said, fuck you, we're not going to do it. Ron DeSantis did an interview with Fox where they asked him about his positive ads, and he's like, you know what? I can't. I don't control the super PAC, but pretty soon they should be lighting up the air with some real positive ads about me. They have not. Yeah, done this that. is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, he said, I imagine they're gonna be lighting up the airways pretty soon with a lot of good stuff about me, and that's gonna give us a great lift. Since then, the super PAC has not aired a positive ad <laughs> or gone up in New Hampshire. It's very. Like, it's very like. Um, it's like. Can you tell? Can you tell the super PAC that I'm mad at them? And the super is like, well, we know you're mad at us, but we don't care because we're gonna do what we think is right. Like, oh well. Well, can you just tell them that we heard that and we don't accept it, and we really appreciate some positive.
Uh, Washington Post did a deep dive on what they're calling the Hidden Biden Campaign, which is a move to outsource a lot of their operations to DNC, state parties, state organizations, outside groups. Uh, political reports, the Biden campaign is also feeling hopeful about flipping North Carolina for the first time since uh, Obama did in 2008. And Axios notes that the Republican arguments against Biden on crime, immigration, and inflation are starting to crumble, even as the president's approval ratings are still stuck in the low 40s. Let's we'll start with the Post story. Um, is the operation that it describes very different from the campaigns we worked on? Uh, what do you make of the strategy? I mean, it seems to me to be entirely uh, driven by funding. There was a, we talked about this when, when Biden's fundraising numbers came up. In 2014, the Supreme Court ruled that uh, they changed campaign finance law that struck down limits on the aggregate amount of persons that donate to federal candidates to political party committees. But before that ruling, your donation to candidates, parties, and political committees was capped at $123,000. Now there's no limit. So if you can work through the DNC and other states and party organizations, you can go to big donors and say, hey, can you cut us a $900,000 check and <laughs> raise a lot of money pretty fast that way, as opposed to raising 3300 for the primary, 3300 for the general, which is what you can get directly into Biden's presidential uh, campaign itself. So it seems like that's why they're doing this. I think there's an obvious upside there. The, the risk is that sounds very challenging to coordinate to me. Yeah, you need a, I mean, look, the, the, uh, an incumbent of either party running for re-election is always basically going to control the DNC or the RNC, um, but the coordination has always been a bit of a challenge. Um, Trump did this, though, in, in 2016 and 2020 with the RNC. The RNC basically ran the whole campaign. Yeah. Most of the staffers there, most of the field operations were run out of the RNC. You can, like, I remember in 2012, even though we still had a, a big operation in Chicago, the DNC was still, like, work, for all intents and purposes, working for the Obama campaign. So this is just, like, now the DNC is basically into the Biden operation doing everything, polling, research, message testing. It's basically not separate, like, part of the campaign. And legally, all you need to do is make, sh is to make sure whatever you're doing benefits Democrats and not just Biden. So anything that the DNC does just has to throw in Democrats, too, just for legal. Right, so, and you've seen that. Like, this is a this is sort of um, – you've seen ads like this, and this has been a part of campaigns for a while because even before the limits are raised, you could still donate more to the DNC than you could to an individual yeah. campaign. And so a lot of times you'll see an ad, it will say, uh, thanks to thanks to uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats for investing in infrastructure. And that's an ad that can be paid for out of the DNC. So it seems like it's 